Recorded live at Toxin Tasting Studios, it's the Clerical Errors Podcast. The podcast that shows you what's behind the collar. Let's go. From the Tox and Tasting Studio, this is the Clerical Errors Podcast, a show that shows you what's behind the collar. I'm Bullhagen. I'm Hamilton. And this is Vicar. And Peter's here. Hey, Pete. So yes, we have another cleric in studio. How you doing, Hamilton? Well, I made it up here. I only had to dodge one deer on the way up, so that was pretty good. All right. All right. It's you he, you were on what, probably about a year ago, year and a half ago. The time really flies. Yeah. It it was the time where uh we had a winkle here and and I needed to get an episode out, so I just grabbed two pastors and they felt obligated to come and record. When the circuit visitor says, hey, do you want to do this? Typically, the answer is yes. Because <laughs> everyone's so scared of me. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, you're an intimidating I figure. I <laughs> wish. I wish. How are you doing? Well, uh, since I already answered the question, I'm still doing pretty well. How are you, Bullhagen? Well, uh, I uh, make mistakes once in a while. Better than that. How's the vicar doing? Uh, uh, yeah, I'm doing quite well. I've got a sermon ready for Sunday, and uh, I only had to rewrite this one uh, one complete time, so it's version 2.0, uh, which is an improvement over the two Sundays ago where I had to write it two and a half times. So uh, I'm getting a little better. That's really impressive. <laughs> <laughs> what was your vicarage like? Tell us, t- Take us back. Or would you rather not talk about that in public? I think that uh, pleading the fifth is probably the best choice possible. <laughs> I know I had to rewrite many a sermon. Right. All right. Well. Well. So. You- well, we need, we should get into this. Uh, Hamilton showed up with a cooler. Oh. Yes. Ah, uh, yes. I brought for me a gift that was given to me by a member, uh, and this is from Modest Brewing Company in Minneapolis, Minnesota. It is a New England IPA that they call Dream Yard. Nice. And Vicar has one, and sadly. As the listener probably knows, Bullhagen can't have wheat, and so he's drinking something else. Hmm. It's called Dream World, isn't it? <laughs> it is Dream World. There so, so uh, crack it open. Right on. Ah, that's the the best kind of IPA, the one that tastes like an alcoholic grapefruit juice. That's absolutely right. It's wonderful. <laughs> it's great. I that. So, Vicar, does it taste like being a pastor? Yeah, you know, I thought kind of. It's kind of got a dream effect to it, right? <laughs> it's like a dream That's come right. true. Because Berg would always say, "How are you doing?" And ever since he was ordained, what did he say? Living the dream. Living the dream. Ah, okay. <laughs> Drinking the dream. So you guys do that. I am once again sipping on my uh, Jefferson's Ocean Aged at Sea. Oh, wow. that sounds Working pretty nice. Do you know doing what that that stuff does? Is uh, uh, they actually age it on a ship? Oh, that's the one that they ship around the world. Yes. Nice. Yep. It's interesting. And I've got my my uh, Tapo Chico lime. <laughs> Look what I brought. Oh, he remembered to bring a bottle opener. I don't have to recreate. The... Is that the new Glarus bottle opener? Yes, it is. Good call, my friend. That's been in our family for generations. Ah, uh, <laughs> uh. so uh, 
Um, we have an, an email from a Mitch. We, I want to get to this right away. Um, Peter, do you have that email available? Oh, uh, you're putting me on the spot, man. Yeah, I could pull it up. Give me a sec. Excuse me for asking you to do your job that we pay you handsomely for. Huh. Huh. Oh, you pay me handsomely, huh? <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> All the money goes to the equipment that's sitting in your studio. <laughs> oh. We have a, an email here from Mitch. It asks, Vicar, can you read that? Yeah, I think I can. Let's see. As a faithful early Sunday morning listener, I was a bit confused on the recent <laughs> update from release 18.0 to 19.0. Typically, with such an update, a parenthetical upgrade, there is there, there are documented notes provided describing the features offered in the update. Looking forward to further release descriptions. I do enjoy hearing from you each week. A faithful listener, Mitch. Okay. So, uh, uh, so apparently he's a faithful listener. Do, do, do you do you uh, do you have any comments on this, Hamilton? Uh, I I think I do have a lot of comments. Uh, very similar to the vicarage question. I'm going to plead the fifth a little bit. <laughs> Um, I know this listener uh, probably better than most of the other listeners. Okay. He, he is, in fact, my father. <laughs> he, might, he might be one of our, our biggest like, listeners. He, he could be. I, I, think he, he, I think you showed me a picture. He has a shirt. He has the infamous Berg shirt. Hmm. It was a gift for Christmas. And and I I thought maybe you could take a picture of the studio for him, but I don't want to necessarily ruin the mystique. Yeah. <laughs> There's always that uh, great saying that you should never meet your heroes. <laughs> well, it'd be hard to fit the entire studio in just one picture, you know. That's true. Right. The spacious studio. I mean, you'd need like a whole day, really. Right. And this is about as clean as it gets, too. <laughs> <laughs> it's very impressive. Oh yeah. That's nothing but the best here. We've got the fine china uh, right mm-hmm. right above my head. Hmm. Look at that. This is true. <laughs> <laughs> so let's get to the question. So what kind of features? We, I guess we never uh-huh. really asked what kind of features. features. Well, it's going to be tricky because, you know, I do know 18.0, but I'm not sure what features that he had. I, I heard that he was a deer hunter. Right. And uh, I guess I would say uh, I lack that feature, so I've been downgraded, you, or the listeners have been downgraded, I suppose, <laughs> Not, no longer having a deer hunter uh, feature. Uh, but a lot of similar qualities, though. Like, if we have a question on, like, pavement. Well, yeah. You know, as long as you're comfortable, like, <laughs> knowing about pavement over deer hunting, then then it was a good upgrade. <laughs> Uh, yeah, I like sewer systems a lot. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Pretty knowledgeable about those. <laughs> well, so this uh, the studio is uh, familiar surroundings then. Yeah, that's right. Uh, yeah. So, uh, Peter, can you help me out? What would be, from what you've noticed already, uh, some maybe upgrades? Well, I would say with a lot of apps, newer isn't always better. <laughs> <laughs> right we're just in we're just in the the beta oh phase goodness. i think oh. i think we're we're in beta 19.0 mm. right Could eventually be. he'll he'll upgrade 
Um, <laughs> we'll see. We'll see. I'll tell you what. We'll give him two weeks. So, like, on October 2nd, we'll see how much he's progressed. Correct. <laughs> and we'll give him a rating maybe the week after that. Right. Just say, you Fair know. Enough. We'll check in after that October 2nd uh yeah, we have episode, a lot of yeah. we have a lot of plans for the October second. Oh, really? Episode? Yeah, mm-hmm. I mm-hmm. can hardly wait. I might listen. Anyways, I'd like, to, I'd like to mention that beta means feature complete. By the way, so if I'm in beta mode, I'm not getting any better. I'm just getting the bugs worked out. No more features <laughs> added after beta. Oh, okay. <laughs> you said it, not me. Okay. <laughs> and as always, I'm in alpha mode. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I was gonna say beta oh, means goodness. something else in my world, but okay. <laughs> Whoa! Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right, roll the roll the All theology right. booster. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so uh, what are we pre- what are you preaching on, Vicar? Ah, it's the story of the lepers, the ten of them. Jesus. And I, don't, I don't like them called stories. Oh, uh, it's the pericope of the ten lepers. All right, and Jesus encounters them. And pericope, anybody know yeah, what that means? Yeah, I was going to say, hey, Vicar, what's yeah. pericope? Ah, that's the Greek word for a cutting out. So it's the uh, story clipped from the entire chapter. <laughs> and, <laughs> I, I don't know. Uh, to me, story sounds like a fish story. Well, I don't, yeah, I don't think What, what do you think, Hamilton? Story? It's a distinction that we have in English that uh, isn't really there in German, the mother tongue of the Missouri Synod. Uh, in German, you have Geschichte, which is both story and historical account. Mm-hmm. How about so what's the better account? English word, then? Surely there must be some kind of English account. word, right? Account. The yeah. historical account. account of the cleansing the of ten account. lepers. Because yes. account carries with it, um, you know, of what actually happened, a right. witness. Right. That's a good point. It's the accounting Whereas right. a story is something that a lot of higher critics would up. say, yes, yeah. let's hear about this story. Uh, right. Okay. It is the account of the ten lepers that Jesus cleansed. That there you go. See, the app is still updating. Upgraded already. <laughs> I only had to rewrite what I said a few times. <laughs> <laughs> I'm noticing a trend. <laughs> All, All right. right. Should I read it? Yeah. Go ahead. Okay. Gospel comes from Luke chapter 17. Say it like you mean it. (laughs) (laughs) The gospel comes from Luke chapter 17. On the way to Jerusalem, Jesus was passing along between Samaria and Galilee, and as he entered a village, he was met by ten lepers who stood at a distance and lifted up their voices, saying, Jesus, Master, have mercy on us. When he saw them, he said to them, Go and show yourselves to the priests. And as they went, they were cleansed. Then one of them, when he saw that he was healed, turned back, praising God with a loud voice, and he fell on his face at Jesus' feet, giving him thanks. Now he was a Samaritan. Then Jesus answered, Were not ten cleansed? Where are the nine? Was no one found to return and give praise to God except this foreigner? And he said to him, Rise and go your way. Your faith has made you well. All right. Are you you on the one year? 
Yes, I do use the church's historic lectionary. Oh. Mm. Okay, well, you know, I've, I've used both. I have too. Uh, for about uh, three months, I used the three-year lectionary. Okay, till Advent? Advent, that's right. <laughs> oh. <laughs> Did anybody notice? Not, not where I was previously. Hmm. Okay. So, what do you guys have? I'm not preaching. I'm taking... Oh. <laughs> do, do you have your sermon somewhat thought through? I do, actually. Yeah, yeah. Um, what's really interesting here is... Well, it's difficult on one hand, because this is one of those readings that gets repeated in the church here. Uh, we also use this reading on the high feast of Thanksgiving. Um, yes. If you do Thanksgiving for Thanksgiving and not uh, harvest observance is another... A lot of times we do the harvest. Uh-huh. I, I've done that too. But this is an option to do on Thanksgiving for obvious reasons, that the Samaritan returns and gives thanks to God. Right. Um, so the challenge is trying to keep it different enough that you can still preach... And have have different sermons and not just recycle, hmm. right? It, and I, I was actually telling Vicar because and because uh, one thing that annoys me, hopefully this isn't your sermon, <laughs> is the preaching of this text of of like a you all have to f- feel more gratitude. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> is that how you wrote yours? <laughs> no, I I do make the distinction though that. Um, we would assume that the the nine who didn't return were also thankful, but they were thankful for being cleansed. Uh, but the Samaritan turned around and showed thanks to the giver of the gift, uh, which is one of the distinctions there. It shows sure. faith recognizing the gift came from Jesus. Um, so that's, yeah, that's because one thing. That, that that's part saying. of thankfulness is more of a recognition of... Right, exactly. It, it's it's like on Thanksgiving uh, when you sit down with your family and everybody's sitting down and you're all saying, I'm thankful for hmm. uh, the Vikings beating the Packers this last, last weekend. Uh, I'm thankful for this, that, or the other thing. Uh, but the point of, of this is that we recognize that the giver of all good gifts is God, God the Father, and he gives these good, good gifts to us through Jesus Christ. I'm going to be really embarrassed if Vicar started writing this and you made him rewrite it. <laughs> no, you're safe. <laughs> you can be marked safe from copying Vicar. <laughs> but so, so one of the other things that I do with this text is, um, is I recognize that the Samaritan actually does what Jesus told him to do, but in a much fuller way than what the other nine did. So the nine went, and they we assume that they did exactly what Jesus commanded them to do. Go show yourselves to the priest, as is commanded in Leviticus 14. Go through that whole cleansing process, which involves waiting eight days, shaving all the hair off of your body, making certain sacrifices, having the priest mark you with blood on your earlobe and your big toe and everywhere else on your body. Um, but the Samaritan shows himself not to the priests in the temple— Rather, he shows himself to our great high priest, Jesus Christ, who is the one who declares us to be clean, to be pure. Right. The temple not made by hands. Exactly. (laughs) And in that way, I think being a Samaritan 
actually played to his favor. Yeah, exactly. He couldn't go to the temple. He's a Samaritan. That's <laughs> not where he belongs. <laughs> yeah. Kind of like the reading for last Sunday as well, with the good Samaritan who, who couldn't. Or he was the only one who could stop right. within the law, hmm. or because he's not under the law. Right. So, uh, so what kind of uh, so with that, what what how do you uh, what kind of things do you plan to bring up in your sermon? I'm not sure what stage is. Are you done writing it? Well, I, I that... thought I was before we started the podcast. <laughs> okay. All right. So w- with that, um, what is the like the incorrect thinking within the pews that you seek to address? <laughs> <laughs> that would be a good question. Hmm. Uh, I think addressing, recognizing, um, being thankful, uh, not just for a gift, but thankful to the giver of all good gifts, who is Jesus, recognizing that Jesus is the one who is our great high priest, um, that, that the, the Christian faith, the Christian response to receiving these good gifts is to return to the giver of the good gifts, just like the Samaritan did. He went to the priest, uh, to receive, continue receiving these gifts. Yeah, that's a, that's a good point. I, I wasn't meaning to put you on the spot. <laughs> right? <laughs> sure. I, I mean, that's mm. a, that is the kind of question I asked the vicar, though. <laughs> you can see, you can tell, you can, he's, yeah. it's been a struggle if I, not that you write it, but you've, it, the first few sermons with me is a real wrestle, isn't oh, it? Oh, yeah, of course it is, and it, as it should be. <laughs> Uh, it comes out kind of, my first ones are always kind of stilted and kind of just say the whole pericope sure. in my own words type of thing, like sure. I'm still in four-year college or something. And then uh, and then you get a hold of it like and tear it up for me and point me in the right direction, give me a few ideas on, on writing technique and all that. And it actually works. It really does work. But you know one of the most soul-crushing questions I've asked the vicar? <laughs> Is this actually necessary? Well, <laughs> yeah, I kind of like that. <laughs> right. Well, every every vicar I, I've said like, how how important is your introduction? Yes. I've yeah. <laughs> even done that to you already. Oh yeah. It was important to get my writing going. There you it go. It is not important to keep. That's the, and sometimes I don't see that right away until you until you point it out, <laughs> and then it's like, oh yeah, you're right. I don't need that paragraph at all or the, all that background information. So one of the more soul-crushing, and this happens at some point, usually with every vicar too, is is they'll really get into this law section and they really like it. It's really well-worded or whatever. And I ask them, have you yourself actually wrestled with this? Mm. Eh, no, not really. <laughs> <laughs> so. Right. <laughs> Kind of interesting. So I like what you're going back to what you're you're saying. As you know, as your circuit visit, I do bounce around a little bit. Mm. Yes. Um, and that is uh, what a blessing that he actually knew where to go. Yes. How many people, when they think of what they have or the gifts that God has given them, do they not know? Like who to thank, where to go, where it comes from, right? Um, and uh, 
that's a that's a big thing that people don't always realize what a blessing it is that you can go on Sunday morning and encounter the giver of all good things. Right. That's not themselves. That's uh, um, that gives them their earthly life and their eternal life. That uh, uh, going to the text that recognizes that you are unclean and is not afraid of you, who hears your cry for mercy. Um, one thing that I, that Vicar, can I tell him oh, yeah. one other thing? Certainly. That 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 really helps because you know you remember being a Vicar. And it still happens to all of us where you kind of stuck and you're like, where do I really want to go? Right. Yes. Yeah. Uh, right. So I, I do the did the the person in a chair. Right. Do you know that one? Try demonstrate that for me. All right. So I think of and it could be real or it could be fake. It could be an imagined. Like so. So let's say uh, I imagine someone in a particular situation. And I'll say, okay, what does that individual need to hear from okay. the text? Mm-hmm. And, and the reason one thing it does is it kind of fine-tunes it. Because, um, and that's what really happened with his, is <clears throat> is if, if you have someone who's speaking with you, you're going to cut all the stuff that doesn't really apply, and you're going to say, all right, I, I really got a short amount of time. What does this person really need to hear from this text? And another thing it does is, is it gets to the heart of the matter of what people need to hear from it. And even if you are kind of specific, which he was in his in his writing of his sermon, um, it could apply to people with whatever they're going through. And so they can kind of latch on to certain things. So he had a specific scenario that he was thinking about. Of, of who might really hear and, and he w- he was able to to preach at something in a way that person might hear but whatever situation people are going to whether it's a feeling of an understanding of their own cleanness or guilt or shame uh, that's something that uh, everyone can kind of fill in the blanks for themselves and so having uh, a person in the chair and you, you and I think of all sorts of different scenarios that help me um, and, uh, uh, like an example, when I preached at the pastor's conference, uh, I was think I thought of, uh, a pastor that I would talk to who was very discouraged about mm-hmm. his work. Well, what would that pastor who, who goes through the loss of what a pastor goes through? What was that? What would that pastor really need to hear from the text? And uh, which was easy because I'm dealing with a whole group host of pastors at that pastor's conference who I guarantee you identified. I mean, it was very specific. Um, but to me, uh, that is really helps, especially with a vicar when they're used to writing papers mm-hmm. and they have to prove this point and prove this point and be novel with an idea when it and uh, which is what you have to do at the seminary, write a paper, right? You write a right. paper to right. to prove your point or to prove something about the text. Well, even the homiletics classes, the sermons that you write for seminary, therefore hypothetical congregations, hypothetical people that you can make up whatever scenario you want and 
Dr. Aho is going to say, oh, yeah, that'll fit. Mm-hmm. Yeah. As opposed to the real life people with actual faces and names. And, and this is something uh, we were kind of joking that uh, n- that uh, not always uh, newer apps are always better because, because <laughs> Vicar, you're more seasoned in life than the average Vicar. Can we say that? I'm probably on the high end. You know, I like high end better than seasoned. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Well aged, uh, well aged, uh, low miles though. <laughs> but, <laughs> but uh, uh, one thing that you have in your your uh, your arsenal is you have a lot of contacts with people, and you have a lot of persons in the chair in your mind that you can already right. address. Right. Especially coming from a non-Lutheran background, right? Where you have all sorts of work relationships, family relationships, people you've talked to on a whole host of just life experience that you can just plop in that chair and, and have at it in a sermon. It really changed the the sermon a lot from the first version I wrote, which was, let's say, about the text, right? So that's like an arm's length separation. I write a sermon that is about the pericope, about the text, and and it wasn't to anybody in particular, and so therefore it came off, I think, as distant and didactic and a little dry, I mean, it was all there. It probably would have done okay in a in a homiletics course, you know, and it would have been all right. Maybe get a decent grade on it, but it wasn't it wasn't personal, and it didn't uh, go to anybody in particular. And then when you told me the the technique of the person in the chair, and I thought of somebody, and thought this person that I'm thinking of, who's not a Christian, who probably feels like they're very very far away from their Christian upbringing that, you know, that has been gone out of their life for a long time. Uh, what if this was like the last sermon that she was ever going to hear? And so once I thought of it in terms of what if for some reason I had the opportunity to give a sermon on this text about the the ten lepers to that person, what would I say? And that kept pulling me back to a much tighter uh, message. rather, and, and so therefore I didn't even address parts of the the text all i mean lighter on lighter touch some places more on the other because it was i was getting to a specific message to a specific person and it really changed the way that sermon came out i mean it was it was really a complete rewrite by the time i uh, used that technique and and tried again now now some would say some would say well well theology you're maybe taking if you're taking all those other stuff you're taking some of the theology out but i would say no Mm mm-hmm because theology is in theory. <laughs> theology is is going to the sinner. Right. If theology is kept in the abstracts, then it's absolutely useless. Mm. Right. Right. Just a bunch of nerds sitting in a, a closet reading a bunch of books. <laughs> it could be a classroom, but okay, a classroom. Oh, yeah. <laughs> So, you say and, potato, and, I say potato. And, and, I, and I, do t- I do, I did tell you from the very beginning, like even with that first sermon, right. that this sermon is probably better than what you'll hear in half the pulpits. <laughs> All right, I'm, I'm in the... You know, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> yeah. You know, because vicars come out well-trained, they know the theology, they're, they're, they're elbow deep and talking about it and thinking about it. But that's not what I'm going for. Yeah, <laughs> right. God's people who sit in the pews to whom you have been called deserve better than that's eh, probably better than half. Right. 
it's probably above average. Right. I'm not aiming for good enough because uh, my first drafts were probably good enough. But that's not what I want to preach. Which is which is why, like, we've even talked about, like, my sermons. I handwrite them, and uh, Vicar's seen how I file them. <laughs> uh, Some of them are filed in here right now. <laughs> right. <laughs> that's true. <laughs> yeah, like, and I'm like, hey, Vicar, do you want this? Yeah. Otherwise, it's going to go in a pile. And, and I do that, f- like, for a specific reason, because it forces me to be fresh each time. Hmm. Right. Um, especially in the one year. <laughs> yeah. You definitely need that. Otherwise, it's all too tempting to go into the computer files and type up uh, 2018 Trinity 14 and click print. Right. <laughs> right. Well, I think we, we talked that, that text. Yeah, or at least we've talked we talked know, about it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. So I have a question. Um, see, how long did you graduate? Eight years ago? Nine years ago? Eight years ago. Ooh. Yeah. The classmate of one of my former vicars, I don't remember which one. It would have been, see, <laughs> 10 years ago, you would have been a vicar, right? Yeah. Yeah. Your vicar would have been Nathan Schieber. Hmm. Oh. Oh, yeah. He was my classmate. In North Dakota now. He is in North Dakota, right? Where I came from. Oh. Not the same congregation, but when you're in North Dakota... Two hours is pretty close. Right. <laughs> right. So, okay. Yeah. Um, but uh, it's interesting. I, I don't know. I think it's really hard to teach this in depth in the seminary. Absolutely. In, in the, the homiletics. And it's, I think one of the reasons that it's difficult to teach this in depth at the seminary is because you don't have the the practical application that you do on vicarage. You don't have the intimate relationship with the actual people in the pews. Right. Yeah. And if I might say this, neither do the professors. (laughs) Amen. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, I got to say, I appreciate all those excellent sermons that I hear in the chapel. Yes. But then, uh, but that's really directed at a guy like me, a guy who's in the seminary. Mm-hmm. And so the, those sermons probably wouldn't be very uh, applicable sometimes to... And, and to you can preach in a way uh, to seminarians that you couldn't, shouldn't really preach. Absolutely. They're preaching to their congregation. Right. Yeah. But that's not going to be your congregation. Right. Unless right. you get a call to the library or IT or something like yeah. that. But but it's it's hard, though... Like I could see if like if I were at the seminary and I was teaching homiletics, uh, I would say within about five months I would lose my edge. <laughs> <laughs> you, you know what I mean? Right. I, I think I know what you mean. I mean they got to teach us a framework so that we have a place to get started for men that have not maybe ever written a sermon yet. I mean I had not ever written a sermon. I remember attending a Lutheran church and I'd been just going to Lutheran churches for a few years. And I told the pastor, you know, I, I, I like that sermon that you just gave. And he said, Oh really? And he shoved the manuscript into my hands. This was maybe not even hardly five years ago. I did not know that sermons were written. That's how far <laughs> a field I came from. I had no idea. And it was like a magic 
moment, you know, like uh, I, I actually attribute that moment to part of how I got interested in the seminary is this pastor just on a whim shoved the manuscript into my hand and suddenly, boom, mind blown, sermons are written. Hey, hey Vicar, can you, I hate to do this, but you keep on banging the, the studio table. Do I? Oh, yeah, that's probably yeah, making all on. kinds I of mean, problems for, yeah, uh, for uh, recording, sorry. Uh, that's all right. I mean, it is an audio format and people are, <laughs> poor, poor Mitch, uh, yeah. Out in his early morning walk, probably just what is that weird thumping noise? That's You're gonna noise. scare him off the trail. Uh, it's a feature. Hey, of you know, on the bright well. side, I, I just found out I'm getting paid to deal with it, so that's cool. Oh, well, that's good. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you got paid by uh, lots of meals. Oh, here it comes. <laughs> and it's like a mom trick right there. <laughs> so anyway, yeah. uh, that was the last episode of the Clerical Heirs podcast. <laughs> 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 Here comes the slide whistle. <laughs> Vicar, how good are you at editing? Uh, <laughs> I'm going to find out. I can edit sermons a lot. <laughs> Audio engineering can't be all that different, yeah, it right? It must be kind of the same. <laughs> you know, you mentioned something earlier, too, that I, I did a calculation once um, here that, you know, especially for a while, I was averaging 12 funerals-ish mm. a year. So that that really does mean that that one out of four, one out of five sermons that I, that is preached is someone's last sermon that they're going to hear. Goodness. So. So you go to you go to the discussion. Oh, well, okay is fine, is it? Like, there. You know, when I when I I know it's it's kind of meant as a device to get you going in the sermon, but there there's something really heartfelt about the preaching aspect of the fact that you have a congregation of people in the chair in the chew in the pews, right? And, and that that changes how you you write a sermon. Um, so. And 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 so yeah, I mean that's that's it's really important to to remember, and it could be higher than that because we're on the radio, um, and oh, probably, yeah. um, lots of people from a fifty mile radius listen to it. So, but that, that that's people don't always realize that, but it's it's the way it is. So. Yeah. So uh, don't bang the table anymore. Okay. This could be the last time. <laughs> I guess. This could be the last time someone's listening to this podcast. Right. They, they could be out on an early morning walk. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not. And they just get put back up dark. Right <laughs> I'm not. I'm not killing your father. Do, do you want to? Do you want me to cut that out? <laughs> <laughs> Well, I know that Mitch, if he's listening to the show, has a good sense of humor. He has to. <laughs> it's true. I don't know if it's good, but he has a sense of humor. <laughs> so we have a top 12 list. Who wants to do it? Go ahead, Vicar. Oh, yeah, I, I don't, oh. <laughs> I don't know. Uh, There's some boom, bombastic thing you say. Yes. You got to remind me. <laughs> yes. Yeah. We're waiting. <laughs> ah. 
I think I remember. Okay. <laughs> Pete, play the intro. That's that's close. Almost. Almost. Missing a letter. That's okay. Right. Play the introduction. It, it, it is funny, though. We've done that so many times. When there's one little thing off, it just sounds weird. <laughs> it, it does sound weird. Peter, play the intro. Enough nonsense. It's time for Bullhagen's Top 12. And this is this is a big moment. This is your first top 12 list. It is. And the top 12 list that I have actually prepared is the top 12 qualities of a Lutheran pastor. Hmm. Okay, qualities or qualifications? How would you? Qualities, characteristics. Okay. Of okay. A Lutheran pastor. So this isn't necessarily a dogmatic, like Timothy. Or... There's a little bit from Timothy. There's a little bit. Well, Paul's letter to Timothy. There's a little bit from uh, everybody's favorite American Lutheran theologian Gerberding, and also Fritz and a couple of others, mm. and just something I've thrown in there too. Okay. Fritz? He's got some interesting ideas. He sure does. <laughs> Peter, uh, Vicar, who is Fritz? <laughs> I, I could, you looked at me and you saw my facial expression was like a big question mark, and so then you had to ask me. Who he's, I, I'm going to guess he's a German-American that was, you know, maybe from the 1900s or something like that. What's his first name? I can't remember. <laughs> okay. Probably Otto. <laughs> Sorry, Pete. Peter's shaking his head. All right, so so 12 qualities. 12 qualities of a Lutheran pastor. Number 12. A Lutheran pastor should have, you'll like this, Bullhagen, a sound body. Oh. Oh. That is, the pastoral office can be demanding physically. Uh, you could go from a deathbed call on a Saturday night going into a Sunday morning and then have to go straight to the service, or you might have to go uh, through a long Wednesday evening catechesis into a service, into something else. So it's not for the faint of heart. Um, you have to be able to have a strong voice to be able to preach through a lot of different services, so it's it's not for the weak. It is actually a f- physical job. It, it is. It is. And if you are morbidly obese, then that's going to hinder your performance in the pastoral office. And probably in every other way. Right. Because when the pastor sits around the church. (laughs) He sits around the church. All right. So number 11. Well, I want to talk about that just a little bit more. All right. Because, (laughs) well, it is a physical job, right? But also, I mean, you want don't want people to say, well, with this pandemic thing, like health was a, I think, a, an issue because you don't want people worried, well, the pastor might get... Yeah, pastor might get sick and die in the next month. Right. Or now that, that doesn't mean me that, that now we're die. we're not say, we're not saying though like if you have genuine health issues that that's should keep you right, but I think on the other hand, uh, do what you can to be healthy. Yeah, absolutely. Now there was a time back in the synod's history when they would look at a man and say, uh, "He's not physically fit for the office. He can serve the kingdom of God." some other way. So they would look at uh, some physical attributes and say, not this one. Hmm. 
And well, Vickers learning that too. He's oh yeah on yeah. the the Bullhagen lifting program. Yeah, Bullhagen's making me go to the to the gym and lift You're weights. Clanging and banging. Yep. <laughs> I thought you were criticizing me of hitting the table again for a second. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, I am appropriately clanging and banging over at the gym. Yeah, and uh, clinking and tinking. He's working his way up, <laughs> tingling and mingling or something. But. Oh goodness. <laughs> By the way, uh, you know how it's hard for me to give up the the pulp of her vicar, you know. <laughs> so I so I one reason why I make work them hard. Right. Like the top twelve list, I have this annoying habit of when they read the number of echoing it, and I've always done that, and I don't know why. Vicar can or Peter knows that, so okay, okay. I won't <laughs> I be offended when you echo. Noted. It's fine because I cut 11. all of them out anyway. <laughs> <laughs> it's just more work for Peter. Yeah. Number 11. Number 11. Number 11. A Lutheran pastor is a Christian gentleman. This sometimes gets overlooked. The pastor ought to dress appropriately. Mm -hmm. He ought to dress professionally. He shouldn't dress in super fancy clothing. Uh, But at the same time, he probably shouldn't be wearing cutout uh, worn out jeans and uh, muscle shirts all around. He should keep himself clean. He should be well mannered, mind his P's and Q's. That oh, makes sense. What if you're at the gym? Totally different. Okay, just wanted to check, make sure. <laughs> no, you should wear your clerical at the gym, Vicar. <laughs> Darn it. <laughs> yeah, and actually, probably, I, I don't wear sleeves at the gym, so. I figured you had a uh, clerical shirt with the sleeves cut off. That's what I've always pictured. <laughs> we should get him one. <laughs> you know, this is true. I, I've had, over the years, I've got it in a gift from a vicar, the Welcome to the Gun Show t-shirt. And, like, all three times, like, you you see this t-shirt, I'm sure this is the first time you've ever seen or gotten one of these. <laughs> Take a note, vicar. All right. Got it. Number 10. A Lutheran pastor should have his house in order. That is, he shouldn't have rebellious children. Uh, He should be the husband of one wife. He should not be financially foolish, taking out loans for this, that, and the other thing, making sure that he can have all the latest and greatest gadgets. Rather, he should be logical and keep his house in order. This one's taken more from St. Paul, inspired Mm -hmm. by the Holy Spirit. All right. Hopefully you don't mean clutter-free, though, because then... Yeah, I'm convicted. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> what about his car? Can his car be messy? <laughs> I said house. Okay. And Paul never said anything about his... about his car. Okay. All right. What about his studio? <laughs> <laughs> Number nine. A Lutheran pastor should be trustworthy. Huh. Yeah. If a pastor is habitually a liar in little things, well... What else is he going to lie about? Another uh, note that I I took down was that a pastor should be slow to make promises, lest he accidentally Mm. break the promise. He should be quick to apologize Mm -hmm. when that promise is broken. For example, you're leaving a shut-in member and you say, Ah, I know that uh, we had a good visit. I'll see you a month from today. They'll, they'll keep track. They will keep track. <laughs> and if you're not there a month from that day, mm-hmm. their heart is going to be broken. 
Noted. That that is true, and I would say too along that that note. You know, I kind of joke about my attention issues, right? But I don't use that an excuse. But I, 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 I don't make a, I don't hide the fact that I have those things. You know what I mean? Right. You you manage them. You know how to work despite them or use them to your advantage, even. Right. Right. And and I, I. Uh, you know, I don't have to project myself as being a, perf- a, a the perfect pastor anyway. You know, that's who I am. Yeah, I just use technology a lot. I mean, I everything goes on a calendar. If it can go on a calendar, it does go on a calendar. And as soon as I missed up on that, that thing is completely forgotten. So I have to be real diligent about that. Yeah, I'm the same way. I've thought about getting the light phone, which is the latest and greatest thing, uh, <laughs> but. I appreciate the technology of the uh, Google Calendar a little too much and having it sync up to everything. Oh, yeah, I love yeah. that. I have a, a secretary who has a Google Calendar and a wife who has one. <laughs> it's great. <laughs> I mean, technically, you have a vicar that has one, too. That's true. <laughs> Even better. Because yeah. vicars don't talk back. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> Trouble. He smiles knowingly. Number eight. A Lutheran pastor is active. Um, Not just physically. uh, He's a self-motivated man. He's able to apply himself independently. He doesn't need somebody to follow up on him and say, Pastor, are you doing all of your visits? Pastor, are you getting your sermons written by now? Okay. Mm -hmm. Proactive. Proactive. That's a good word, Vicar. Yeah. And like we said earlier, if you if you if you have weaknesses in that area, uh, to find to work, because uh, um, I know a lot of pastors, and this was probably one of their bigger struggles. Um, you know, uh, pastors, for example, aren't immune to social anxieties. Yep. Mm-hmm. Where where they have the heart to it, but making phone calls sometimes are really hard, or going to certain visits are kind of hard and they have to work really around that right yeah have to push through i could see that's going to be an issue i don't know about an issue but it'll be something i will work on to make sure that i self-start uh it's handy having a a really good uh supervisor that makes sure that we are doing the things we ought to do but i won't always have a supervisor (laughs) right yeah and and that i guess i should have prefaced this whole top 12 list with all but one of these, maybe two, one of them, uh, you can train yourself up in. If mm. you aren't very proactive or self-motivated, well, you can you can train that up in yourself. You can discipline yourself. Right, because mm. a lot of these are probably stuff of you've also learned. Absolutely. Mm. Absolutely. It doesn't come naturally to man, but uh, it is something to be trained up. That's a good clarification. Number seven. A Lutheran pastor is respectable. Uh, he's dignified. He's not given to a scandalous life, uh, not openly in unrepentant sin. Um, and then another one, this one came from Gerberding. He's not too funny, which I was personally convicted there, but at the same time, he's not too serious. Mm. 
I, I probably fall on one side of that more than the side. other. Yeah. <laughs> well, maybe uh, a funeral uh, or the mm, deathbed no, isn't yeah. the place to be sure. telling a joke. Oh yeah, that's totally true. Yeah. Yeah. That's like a nightmare material right there. Like something <laughs> you hope you wake up from <laughs> if you accidentally misstep like that. But you kind of sounded like Dr. Grimm there for a second, by the way, when you say, now, don't be too serious, okay? But don't be too funny. You know what I mean? He always gives the extreme side. Absolutely. Sides. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. Don't do this too much. Yeah. Don't do this too much. Do both of them at the same time, but they're mutually exclusive. <laughs> so basically, right, like, that. like the worst thing that you could tell a group of seminary students, okay, everyone just be normal. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Uh-oh. <laughs> <laughs> a group of, of people who are totally right. not normal. Yeah. Number six. A Lutheran pastor has a sound mind. That is... What uh, does your mind sound like? Uh. <laughs> Sometimes it's a monkey clashing cymbals. Hmm. All right. So uh, a sound mind. I think this is really related to what Paul says to Titus and Timothy that... Um, He's apt to teach. He's able to understand lofty thoughts, uh, but then explain them to the regular, everyday person who doesn't spend every waking hour reading theology. All right. That's, that's, that sounds like kind of the th- something like I was when we were talking about the sermon writing. Yeah. Absolutely. That's right. a great example. Like if you can't read people at all, that yeah, would be I, tough. I once heard that... Um, Greek as an example, or your language studies in preparation for your sermon, that should be like your underwear. Right. We all hope that you've done it, but we don't want to see it. We hope you've done your underwear. Thank you, Vicar. <laughs> I just wanted to be really literal. <laughs> <laughs> Number five. The pastor should have a living, deep, and fervent piety. The pastor is an example to everybody in his congregation. And uh, if the pastor's not pious, mm-hmm. what are we going to expect to happen of of his congregation? Right. Not that he's a pietist, but right. piety is a good thing. The, the way that uh, I, I kind of think of it, too, is, especially when we're dealing in, with meetings or conflicts or something, it has to be the biggest adult in the room. Mm. Yes, that's where the best construction language is helpful for me when when I start to feel sideways with somebody, uh, you know, at a meeting. It seems like that's when that happens. Uh, and I think, well, you know, what can I say this person is doing with the best construction? What are they intending as the outcome? And maybe maybe that's an example of being the, the, the oldest grown-up in the room or the biggest grown-up or however you just put it. Right. I mean, like the, the last one to throw accusations— Mm-hmm. The, the first one to be forgiving. Uh, yeah. Yeah. First one to say, like, well, and, maybe maybe I don't understand. Or but at I'm the same wrong. time, when I, when I say adult in the room, but also at the same time showing strength and character. Sure. Well, we'll get to that. We'll get to that as well. Number four. Lutheran pastor has a tender and sympathetic spirit. He should know the strength of his office, the authority that he bears as being uh, in the office of the ministry, but then exercise it compassionately. Number three. A Lutheran pastor must have moral courage. Yeah. This goes uh, more along the lines of what you were saying, Bullhagen, that the Lutheran pastor shouldn't be spineless. 
he shouldn't be a coward. He needs to be able to stand up for what is, uh, what is according to the word of God. He should have certainty that he is called into the office to stand in the stead of Christ to convict mm-hmm. unrepentant sinners and to uh, forgive those who are repentant. And all of his confidence should be based on the word of God. And the the way I kind of view that too is the people the people under his care should know that he's he's willing to to go through hardship for them. Yes. Hmm. Like I think I said this. We're in a Winkle. I think I said this in the Winkle, where when you talk about uh, you know the idea that uh, Scripture has different roles for men and women, right? Right. That uh, you know, we talk about the biblical understanding of a of a pastor being a man. You know, it's not just plumbing, right? <laughs> right. You know, there's a masculine aspect to it, right? Yeah, there was a, a theologian who once said that there are three genders: there's male, female, and clergy. Um, but this ought not be so. <laughs> no, God <laughs> ordains men. Yeah, you should be one. Number two. A Lutheran pastor has common sense. This is the one uh, that in my reading and experience, um, you can't necessarily train up. Hmm. (laughs) A a theologian once said, God gives grace, man gives knowledge, but if you're lacking in common sense, you are going to be a fool forever. Hmm. Uh, So you need to have tact, um, you need to be able to see, say the right thing, but not at the wrong time. You need to be able to right. read the room. Right. It seems like you could say wisdom as part of, you know, like common sense. And sure. Sort yeah. Of. Absolutely. Right. Absolutely. And. Oh, how do you, how do you feel oh. about your number one? Are you confident in it? I'm pretty confident. Did in you it. save the Absolutely. best? My my favorite might be number two, but. Okay. I kind of feel like we have to have number one as number one. Mm -hmm. Sure. And number one. The Lutheran pastor has to have the faith. If he's not a Christian. He shouldn't be a pastor. Amen. I I would agree with that. Yeah, I think, I mean, maybe I could, you know, quibble (laughs) on that a little. Oh, wait, no, I can't. I'm being told, no, I can't. (laughs) <laughs> well, we can we can cite the Donatist uh, controversy, there you go. but right, maybe an evil cleric that was uh, but was doing everything right. Nobody knew right. he was evil. <laughs> sure, not not to say that the pastor doesn't also pray. I believe help my unbelief. Right, oh, absolutely. Yeah. And and we said it before. Uh, if any pastor is lacking in any of these things, this doesn't mean that you are absolutely disqualified from the pastoral office. But train yourself up in this figure out how to get better and if you're because we do have some people considering listen to the podcast considering being a pastor uh you if you are start working on these things now yeah yeah but you don't have to imagine that you show up fully formed ready to be a pastor and then you go to seminary right that's just not that's not the order of things right right where you're, you refuse to allow the seminary to form you and shape you. Right. That's a bad idea. <laughs> that is bad. That happens now and again, though. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. All right. We do have a, 
uh, a question from Hannah. Hmm. Uh, Vicar, can you read that question? I can. What's a good hymn to sing when walking in the woods to teach about and give praise for God's creation? 831. Look that one up real quick. I think. Eight, 831. I think that's right. They're pulling out their hymnals now. Sorry, uh, or LSB, Lutheran Service Book. I'm thinking it's 831. I'm better with numbers than song titles, hymn titles, and so I'm not remembering. Uh, how shall they hear who have not heard? No, that's not. 631 then, Trey. 631. <laughs> 631. Can't believe it. I'm going to have to go grab mine and look. How does it go? It's got the Jamaican tune. Uh, here, O oh Lord, I see thy f- the face no, to face. That's not it either. Okay, I'm, my memory the is The Jamaican? <laughs> yeah, it's here, got... Baker, have okay, a let me take a look and see if I can find it. I... Uh, while you look for that, I, I, I do have one, too. Uh, um, but uh, uh, while you're looking for that, I'll, I'll tell you some things that maybe are not. Like, uh, it only takes a spark, maybe. Right? In the garden. In the garden. Right, where you don't have to go to church. Right. Because Jesus walks with me anyway, without the word. Right. Uh, or, uh, Pharaoh, Pharaoh. <laughs> Earth and all stars. <laughs> yeah, there you go. So the, the one I, 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 I thought was, uh, now Berg's going to be upset if he's listening because we, I didn't pick anything from TLH. Oh no. But I, I did pick, uh, uh, rejoice my heart, be glad and sing. Uh, and the reason why I, I chose this one, this is, uh, 737 um, because uh, when you think about going for a walk outside you're rejoicing in, in God God's gifts and what this hymn does is it place, places like what you're going through on a walk in a context of a God who cares for you and it points you to to Christ so I will do a quick read of that Hannah so that you can listen to it and decide whether you think this would be a good hymn Rejoice, my heart, be glad and sing, a cheerful trust maintain. For God, the source of everything, your portion shall remain. So you're out walking, right? God being your portion and everything, the source of everything. He is your treasure, he your joy, your life and light and Lord, your counselor when doubts annoy, your shield and great reward. Vicar, do you need the Methodist hymnal? Is that? Yeah, I probably... <laughs> need the contemporary hymnal or something to find the one I'm thinking of. Okay. Why spend the day in blank despair, in restless thought the night. On your creator cast your care, he makes your burdens light. So it says, casting your cares on the creator. And then he he gets into the meat of it. Uh, Did not his love and truth and power guard restless thought did not his love and truth and power guard every childhood day? And did he not in threatening hour turn dreaded ills away? He only, his, he only will with patience chide. His rod falls gently down and all your sins he casts aside in ocean depths to drown. His wisdom never plans in vain nor falters nor mistakes. All that his counsels may ordain a blessed ending makes. Upon your lips then lay your hand, 
and trust his guiding love, then like a rock your peace shall stand here and in heaven above. So I suppose it's not directly about like creation and teaching you about all the things, but what it does, I think, is place that walk in the context of of his grace and mercy and his care at all times. So that's the one I, I chose. Did you find it? I did. And I, you know, I said I was good at numbers, but this number had little to do with the ones that came to mind. So I guess whatever, <laughs> but it's 930-930. All you works of God bless the Lord. And uh, each of the stanzas kind of reflect almost a different season uh, or a different aspect of creation. For example, stanza two Sing, you sun and you moon above, stars of heaven, now sing his love. Dew and showers with winds that blow, heat and fire, you ice and snow. And then the refrain is, raise your voices high, praise and magnify, all you works of God, bless the Lord. And the third stanza is about frost and winter. The fourth stanza is about hills and mountains. And uh, the fifth one is about humanity singing. It's uh, it's just it's a great tune. It's a great hymn, and it really shows how all of the works of God bless the Lord in the innate way that He made them to glorify His own His own self. All right, you you have anything in mind? Yeah, those are both solid choices. I would uh, say for a nice easy to remember hymn, I think it's eight fifty nine. Now thank we all our God. It's a good old German uh, Thanksgiving hymn. Um, yeah, that's a good learning hymn. Yeah, it's, for it's small children. For small children. Um, the other hymn that I have, it's not really, not really a, a giving thanks hymn. Maybe when you're done walking in the woods, and uh, Hannah has children, right? Yes. Um, that uh, when she's putting the kids to bed, um, this is one of the hymns that I sing with my children. Is Gerhard's nighttime hymn? Now rest beneath night's shadow. Uh, it highlights um, how God takes care of the woodlands, the fields, and the meadows, and he also takes care of us. So having gone through and giving thanks to, for God, uh, thanks to God for all of these things, uh, now we're asking him to... The hymn I read was also Gerhard hymn, by the way. Well, oh. God bless Gerhard. I think mine's a Starkey, by the way. Another common oh. name that comes up in our hymnals. Sure. Yes, yes. <laughs> I think he it's has common. more hymns than Gerhard in the hymnal. In the hymnal, yes. <laughs> Long drink. All right. Well, what do you think? How was your time in the studio today? It was wonderful. Thank you for having me. You're welcome. <laughs> it was good uh, for me, too, as the vicar, because then I had two people that you know knew better than I did about everything. <laughs> well, and you got to feel a little bit better for having right? uh, to second-guess all of your sermon writing. Right. Yeah. <laughs> You're not the only one, Vicar. Right on. <laughs> All right. Well, that brings us to the conclusion of our show. I'm Bullhagen. I'm Hamilton. This is Vicar. And may your may your stories be accounts. Thank you for joining us. This podcast is available on iTunes, Google Play, Spotify, or wherever else you get your podcasts. Questions, thoughts, concerns? You can contact us on Facebook at facebook.com slash podcast, on Twitter at clericalheirsp for podcast, or email us at feedback at clericalheirs.org. Thanks for listening to Clerical Heirs. See you next time.